This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. And he said, for the first time, the world will see us as we should be seen. You are changing the minds of people across the world because for the first time through you, we see ourselves, that dignity. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Charts with Dan as we enter the later part of the summer box office. This is when things start to slow down. We did have DC League of Super Pets opening this weekend. We'll take a look at that as well as the other films that are still churning along in a very strong marketplace for existing titles. As always, I'd like to thank my sponsor here on the show, Carbon Health. They've been partnered with me for several months now, and it's because we believe in each other. They love to invest in passionate creator communities, and I love their mission to make healthcare as accessible and affordable to as many people as possible. There's a lot of stuff in the news right now about so much in the world of health. You can download the Carbon Health app right now to see if there is a physical location near you. They can act as your primary care provider if you so desire. You can also do telehealth on the Carbon Health app in case you can't make it to one of their locations or there's not one near you. There are also lots of other services that you can check out on the app. And as always, I wanna thank them for being a partner here on the show. And let's move on over to the weekend box office. Office. As I mentioned, and as expected, the number one movie for the weekend was DC League of Super Pets with an opening around $23 million, which is okay. That's kind of around where another Warner Animation Group title, Smallfoot, opened a few years ago. Now, you would think, well, first of all, the budget of the movie is around $85, $90 million, reportedly. So you might want a little bit of a higher opening than that $23 million. Family titles have been able to have somewhat long legs at the box office at least a lot of them have. So it's not an out-and-out disaster, but you would think that with the brand name recognition of DC superheroes, with The Rock and Kevin Hart headlining the voice cast, you also had Keanu Reeves and John Krasinski involved in the movie, that maybe they could lift this movie up to a higher opening. But it's also been kind of feast or famine at the box office right now for family films. When you look at the underperformance of Lightyear, uh, you do have movies like Minions that have done really well, but it seems more and more like, uh, whereas Family titles used to be some of the most reliable things at the box office due to the rise of streaming and the family focus of a lot of those platforms, Disney+, Plus, HBO Max, etc. It seems like there may be more and more families that are choosing to wait and watch these movies at home. This could be part of a bigger market shift, or this just could be a blip. We don't really know right now. The only salvation of DC League of Super Pets is that it wasn't a $200 million or even a $100 million budgeted film. We'll see how it does internationally. It's open in some markets, but this is another example of how smart budgeting can help to mitigate your box office risk. Speaking of box office risk, we'll look at my predictions for the top 10 summer movies in just a minute, but uh, I picked DC League of Super Pets as one of my top 10 movies this summer. I have a long, sad history of picking wrong on just about every movie involving The Rock. Either I don't put it in my top 10 predictions and it is in, or I do put it in my top 10 predictions and it's not in, and it looks like DC League of Super Pets may add to my woes because we'll 
look at the summer box office, I'm not so sure it's going to be able to be a top 10 summer movie. It just depends on how it does in the weeks going forward. Before we get more into specific movies, let's look at the rest of the top five and the rest of the top 10. In its second weekend, Nope dropped 58.1% for an $18.5 million total. If you look at it as a horror movie, that's actually not too bad of a drop. If you look at it as a drama, kind of an adult skewing film, then I think that maybe they might have wanted to hold it a little better. But again, the budget on the movie kind of puts it all into perspective. So again, we have two uh, examples in uh, the first place film and the second place film where you could look at the box office results and say, oh, it's a huge disappointment, but it also depends on the budgets of these films. And I don't think that either one of these are dead in the water. I know that a lot of people want to say that Nope is dead in the water. I actually think that Nope is doing fine for a movie at its price point. Uh, but, you know, a lot of people look at Jordan Peele's other movies and expectations, etc. And lots of other reasons for, I think, saying that Nope is a box office disaster. Uh, it is not. If you were going to say to me that Nope is a box office disaster, I would quote the movie title back to you and say, Nope, it's not. It's not a massive hit but it's not a disaster, and it's approaching $100 million just domestically. In third place, Thor Love and Thunder in its fourth week drops 41.6% for a $13.1 million weekend total. Minions The Rise of Gru still not far behind in its fifth week with a 39.2% drop-off and a $10.9 million total. Still hanging around the top five, Top Gun Maverick dropped just 18% from last week with an $8.4 million total. There's a lot more to be said about Top Gun Maverick in a few minutes. Minutes. One thing I will say, when you look at that, 10 weeks in the box office top five, that is a rare achievement in general. I was trying to research and go back and find the last summer movie, the last summer release that stayed in the box office for 10 weeks in a non, I'm not kind of not counting 2020 because 2020 was a very kind of unique year. I didn't get very far back. I got all the way back to 2008, and I can tell you that none of the Avengers films, Avengers Endgame, Infinity War, etc., the first Avengers movie, The Dark Knight, none of them, as big as they were, were in the box office top five for 10 weeks or more. Uh, so this is a case, again, with Top Gun Maverick with a very enduring uh, popularity. And some people would say that there is still a bit of a pandemic effect on the box office, that the release schedule is not quite as aggressive. But at the same time, you're really running out of mitigating factors for Top Gun Maverick. And, and we did a long time ago. It, it's a box office phenomenon. In sixth place in its third week with a good 26.9% drop, that's a nice hold, is where the crawdads sing with 7.5 million dollars. The best hold in the top 10 is Elvis, which dropped just 12.8% in its sixth week with a 5.7 million dollar total. The Black Phone continues to hold well, a 28.8% drop in week six, just under a 2.5 million dollar total there. Jurassic World Dominion in its eighth week with a drop right around 31% and a 2.1 million dollar total. And then breaking into the top 10 is Vengeance. It's a new film. It was just under the required theaters to be considered a wide release with a 1.7 million dollar total. I think expectations were that it might be a little bit higher, but it is an interesting movie. Uh, the cinema score was a B plus, which is all right. I think that you would probably want it higher for a movie of that type. It's a movie that I actually really enjoyed. If you want to see my review of Vengeance, along with DC League of Super Pets and Marcel the Shell, there's a little thing up in the corner, uh, a notification uh, if you can get those. I, I don't even know how it works anymore. If there's a thing in the corner and you want to see what I thought about the movies, uh, just click on it. If you don't, I liked them all. 
End of story. So looping back to DC League of Super Pets and where it stands with the Warner Animation Group, these are the five biggest Warner Animation Group or WAG openings domestically. Now this does not include live action animation hybrids like Space Jam and New Legacy. These, this is pure animation. The Lego Movie, the highest opening for the Warner Animation Group back in 2014 with a $69 million opening weekend. The Lego Batman Movie at number two with $53 million in its opening weekend. Then the Lego Movie 2, the second part with thirty. $34 million. So Lego has been very kind to the Warner Animation Group. And then you see there, Smallfoot, which opened actually just a little bit ahead of DC League of Super Fats, almost an identical opening, both at just around $23 million. I don't know if you know this, but Zendaya is Michi in that movie. Remember that meme from all those years ago? Boy, that seems like another life, doesn't it? So if DC League of Super Pets performs like Smallfoot did, then it'll end up around $80 million in the 70 to $80 million range. We'll see if it's able to outperform that because it is still in the later part of the summer movie season and because it does have the attachment of the DC franchise, etc. But that's, you know, if we were going to look at an identical box office performance, that's what we'd be looking at. Another comic book film that is in the marketplace is Thor Love and Thunder. Uh, we're now about a month into its release cycle, and let's look at how it's stacking up against the rest of the MCU domestically after 24 days of release, which is where we end up after this past weekend. You see there in the middle, that bar in the red is the median gross, not average gross, but the median gross for the MCU after 24 days. Thor Ragnarok actually owns the median gross for the MCU. And you see Thor Love and Thunder is performing just ahead of that median gross, right at $300 million. The median gross is uh, just under $300 million. Of course, the thing to keep in mind as we've talked about last week the budget on Thor Love and Thunder was massive 250 million dollars more certainly than Thor Ragnarok but still Thor Love and Thunder performing in the upper half of the MCU which it's gonna have to to keep making that money back one movie that doesn't have to worry about making money back but still continues to do so every weekend is Top Gun Maverick. We've been talking about its performance weekend by weekend and it continues to post some of the best weekend performances for any movie uh, that we have records for. These are the highest grossing 10th wide weekends domestically. Now, why do I specify 10th wide weekends? Because there are some weekends even here when you look at the record books, movies like Silver Linings Playbook and uh, things like that that played in limited release for several weeks that went wide in their 8th, ninth, or 10th weekend. So in the record books, it says that Silver Linings Playbook had one of the best 10th weekends of all time, which is true. What it doesn't show is that the first eight of them were in limited release, and so most people couldn't go see those movies. So these are movies in their 10th weekend of wide release. You see Titanic and Avatar still 1 and 2, Frozen at number 3, E.T. the Extraterrestrial at 4, which when you think about the fact that that was in 1982, it was just putting up massive totals week to week. And then Top Gun Maverick still there at number five, the fifth best 10th weekend in wide release of all time. It is also zooming up the all-time domestic earners chart. It entered that chart last week. It is actually in the same position this week. It has crossed $650 million, but look at what's ahead of it. This upcoming week, it will pass Jurassic World. It will pass Titanic, more than likely, to become the seventh highest grossing film of all time. And then it's got Infinity War, 
Can it make it to $700 million? I mean, like I said last week, normally I would say I don't think so, but this movie, I'm, I'm not making any predictions about it anymore because it's outperformed every prediction uh, that I've had for it. It's outperformed every model uh, that you can make for it. Uh, it. It is just a movie at any time of year that would be extremely impressive, even more so that it's doing this in the summer movie season, which is exceedingly rare. When you look at the all-time domestic list adjusted for inflation, now this is not a perfect metric, but this is, again, just sort of a, a guidepost, a sign of where, in general, Top Gun Maverick lands historically. Right now, it is the 38th highest grossing movie ever adjusted for inflation. Kind of an interesting quirk there. You see that Avengers Infinity War actually has a smaller gross adjusted for inflation. Like I said, it's just one of the weird quirks of inflation-adjusted numbers. You get a little bit of variability, especially for movies that have come out a bit more recently. So its inflation-adjusted gross is actually a little lower than its actual gross, but we see Top Gun Maverick there at number 38. It has passed Shrek 2 and the original Tobey Maguire Spider-Man from 2002. It is just behind now Ghostbusters and Avengers Infinity War at numbers 37 and 36, so we'll see where Top Gun Maverick winds up on that list. One movie that was not in the domestic top 10, but that did get a re-release into wide theatrical release this past weekend is Everything Everywhere All at Once. There were reports that came out this weekend that it had become A24's first $100 million grosser worldwide, which is, as we're sitting right here talking true, it was not technically true when a lot of people reported it, at least not according to the grosses uh, through the sources that I was able to get, because it was based off of estimated grosses that were just far enough off off to take everything everywhere all at once below $100 million, but you see it is, I mean, it's like less than $30,000 away. It's going to make it. Everything Everywhere All at Once, yes, is now probably as we speak the first $100 million worldwide grosser for A24. So it continues to be a box office phenomenon. We'll see if that continues over into the fall as we get into awards season. I think it's a movie that's going to stick in people's minds, but you know, I've been wrong before. When we look at the local market, my local market specifically, this is something I've been doing the past several weeks to see what was the availability for all of the different movies uh, that were out this past weekend. This is the chart for my local market on Sunday, July 31st. This encompassed six theaters, 72 screens, and 224 showtimes. And basically tied for number one were Nope. Nope was the champion there, 35 showtimes on Sunday, followed by League of Super Pets, which had 34 showtimes. And then a lot of holdovers. You see Minions, The Rise of Gru, Thor, Love and Thunder, Top Gun, Maverick, and Where the Crawdads Sing essentially all had about the same number of available showtimes on Sunday. Top Gun Maverick, the fact that it is hanging in there with movies that have been in theaters for less than half of its release cycle, again, just goes to show you the demand for that movie still in the marketplace. Elvis there with 6% of the available showtimes, followed by The Black Phone, Paws of Fury, Vengeance, and Jurassic World Dominion. And then the All Other Slice, which covered a lot of different films, 25 showtimes uh, on this past Sunday. The selections there included Everything Everywhere All at Once and its re-expansion, Mrs. Harris Goes to Paris, Fire or Love, Marcel the Shell, and some other movies that were available in my local market. Before we move on, I'd like to thank one of the sponsors for today's show, Skillshare. Skillshare is an online learning community with thousands of classes and members across 150 countries who come together for inspiration and new steps in their creative journey. I've been an editor for over 20 years, but I'm always looking to add new skills to what I can do, so I decided to explore what Skillshare offered to see if there's any I could add to my editor's toolbox. 
In just one afternoon, I picked up some great new tips for enhancing and mixing audio on my videos, and I also took a class about multi-camera video editing, which is a skill that I knew on some previous programs, but hadn't yet learned about with Adobe Premiere. Skillshare not only offers a huge variety of classes, the platform is also now available in French, Spanish, Portuguese, and German. Members can also access the entire library of classes with subtitles, so you can enjoy Skillshare in your language of choice. If you're looking to take the next step and learn something new, the first 1,000 people to use the link in the description below and on screen will get a free one-month trial of Skillshare. So hurry up and check out Skillshare today, and I'd like to thank them for sponsoring today's show. Looking at what I call the road to recovery, we see another steep drop from last weekend. We are now closer, much closer to where we were last year at this time than we are to the traditional average summer box office. And that's just because, you know, we have had some big boom movies, but the overall theatrical market hasn't completely rebounded yet. So we have one or two big movies that are playing big like taking turns kind of one at a time or two at a time, but we don't have as many movies that are putting up big numbers at the same time to kind of boost that overall theatrical growth. So you can see we're still very much in recovery mode and it'll be interesting to kind of keep track of this and see, are we ever going to hit those averages again? Or has streaming actually impacted the box office this much? It's a question that we just don't know the answer to right now. But the idea that the, that the theatrical model is dead, uh, I think has gone out the window. I'll be interested I was talking about Warner Brothers Discovery and some of the announcements they were going to make because the speculation has been that one thing they are going to say is that they will never again try the model that they did last year where they put all of their movies out day and date on HBO Max, which when you go back last year was being hailed as the future of distribution. It just goes to show you that nobody really knows anything and that the market really is what decides what works and what doesn't. So a lot of unanswered questions, and this is going to be a big story to cover for the next few years. I'll be here covering it because, you know, what else do I have to do? Let's look at the per theater averages for this past weekend. Playing in two theaters was Lena Dunham's latest film, which also played at Sundance. It didn't come out with a huge amount of critical acclaim, but it did $9,071 per theater in two theaters. That's good enough to be the highest per theater average uh, for the weekend. It is a steeper drop from some of her earlier films. For example, back in 2010, Tiny Furniture in its opening weekend was able to pull in $21,000 in just one theater. Uh, but, you know, the, the the buzz has cooled a little bit on Lena Dunham, but still able to turn out a crowd uh, in those couple of theaters that were showing her new film. That's going to be expanding in the weeks ahead. DC League of Super Pets with a $5,000 average in each of its 4,000 plus theaters is there at number two. Hansan, Rising Dragon, with a $5,000 average in 32 theaters. This is an epic historical film from South Korea. It is a sequel-prequel to a movie that came out in 2014 called The Admiral, Roaring Currents. Nope, there with the fourth best per theater average of the weekend with $4,883 in 3,800 theaters. And then A Love Song, another film out of Sundance, making $4,000 in four theaters, $4,000 per theater. 
When we look at the limited release market, so these are movies that are in 1,000 theaters or fewer. I mentioned Vengeance, which is a movie I enjoyed, the directorial debut from B.J. Novak, who you might know as Ryan from The Office. He was just under the wire, 998 theaters, so three more theaters, and that would have counted as a wide release. And this actually is going to become important in just a moment, but because he was three theaters short of the 1,001 number, it is counted as a limited release, 1.7 million in 998 theaters. Marcel the Shell with Shoes On is also uh, really spinning towards a wide release, now up to 821 theaters in its six-week of release with another $638,000, but staying under that 1,000 theater limit is helping to rack up its score on the limited release yearly chart. Hansan Rising Dragon in 32 theaters with a $161,000 total, enough for third place. Also expanding in 191 theaters now is Fire of Love in its fourth week with a $152,000 gross. I had somebody uh, send me, I think it was a tweet or a YouTube comment actually, saying that they had gone to see Fire of Love because they heard me recommend it on the show and they were very happy that they'd gone to see it and I will continue to recommend it. It is one of the best documentaries that I've ever seen. If Fire of Love is playing near you and it is playing near more and more people as the weeks go on, seek it out. And then also playing in 97 theaters, I believe it's also expanding this weekend is Rebecca Hall's new film Resurrection with an $89,000 gross in those 97 theaters. Looking at the limited release top 10 for 2022, at number one is BTS Permission to Dance with $6.8 million and KGF Chapter 2 with $6.6 million. Marcel the Shell with Shoes On, though, is making some big gains. It jumps up three spots this weekend to number three with a $4.1 million total. That bumps Cyrano down to number four. Mrs. Harris Goes to Paris drops down to number five. And I said this is where the actual technicalities of a wide release come into play because if you'll remember last week, Mrs. Harris Goes to Paris expanded to 1,001 theaters. That means that it was technically in wide release, and the way that I measure things is once you go to wide release, then I stop counting your box office income on the limited release chart. If you were to actually look at the gross for Mrs. Harris Goes to Paris, if it had played in one fewer theater last weekend, it would be near the top of this limited release chart, but because it technically entered wide release, its gross is frozen there at $3.3 million. I know some people would say that this is kind of adhering to the letter of the law rather than the spirit of the law, but you know, the rules are the rules and I make the rules. So, uh, Mrs. Harris goes to Paris. If it had just booked one fewer theater would be much higher up this chart. The worst person in the world drops down one spot to number six crimes of the future stays at number seven, followed by the portion of everything everywhere. All at once is release when it was in limited release with $2.3 million. Of course, it has racked up a much larger gross and wide release parallel mothers at number nine and Uma at number 10. We are three quarters of the way through the summer box office season. It's hard to believe. And let's look at the domestic box office picture. These are the picks that I made way back in May. And we really only had one change. The top five, the top nine really remain the same. Top Gun Maverick at number one, where it's going to stay. Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness at number two. Jurassic World Dominion at number three. Minions The Rise of Gru at number four. We'll see if Thor Love and Thunder can catch it. I'm not so sure that's going to happen. Elvis is at number six. Lightyear at number seven. 
11, the black phone quietly has put up a very impressive gross, $83.1 million at number eight. Nope, will pass it this week. It's currently at $80.6 million. Downton Abbey New Era actually rotates off the list because another movie that's quietly put up an impressive gross is Where the Crawdads Sing, which is now at $53.5 million. Now, I don't think that that movie is going to make the domestic top 10. I don't think so. But the one movie that could be a spoiler that could knock out uh, DC League of Super Pets is The Black Phone. $83.1 million. That's about where DC League of Super Pets would end up if it performed like Smallfoot. I I wouldn't say it's out of the realm of possibility that it ends up just under The Black Phone, and maybe The Black Phone is number 10 on the summer domestic list. So we will see. Perhaps that is the movie that could play spoiler for my first ever perfect season of picking movies for the summer box office. These were my predictions. As you can see, I still have nine out of 10 movies alive. They aren't all currently in the top 10. Uh, DC League of Super Pets notably is not, but it's also not eliminated. So that's why it's in yellow there. My last remaining pick opens this weekend, which was Bullet Train. I picked that as the number nine movie of the summer. So we'll see if it puts up a gross that's good enough to get into that summer top 10 but as you can see i still have no movies that are currently in their proper places i don't know if i will actually end up with any we will see uh but uh yeah a somewhat accurate season as far as titles a very inaccurate season for me as far as where they are positioned let's turn now from the domestic box office to the international box office this is all markets outside of the u.s and canada and the number one movie actually internationally and worldwide is a Chinese film called Moon Man, which had a 129.7 million dollar opening this past weekend. I watched the trailer for Moon Man. It was not translated, so I don't know exactly what's going on. Somebody is stranded on the moon, and I thought I kind of knew what was going on, and then like a kangaroo showed up, and then a guy on a space station was dressing up like a kangaroo. I don't know what the hell this movie's about. It looks like it's a comedy, and it did a lot of money. Uh, in its opening weekend. So that much I do know. At number two is Minions, The Rise of Gru with $25.3 million, followed by Thor, Love and Thunder with $20.8 million, DC League of Super Pets with $18.4 million, and Hansun Rising Dragon with $14.6 million. So when you take our domestic numbers, you smash them together with those international numbers, you get the worldwide box office for the past weekend. Number one, Moon Man with its $129.7 million, all coming out of China. DC League of Super Pets, its domestic opening puts it at number two in the world with a $41.4 million worldwide opening. Minions, The Rise of Gru in its fifth week drops 39.6% to come in at number three with $33.9 million total worldwide. Thor Love and Thunder still trailing behind a 37.5% drop in its fourth week with $26.6 million. And Top Gun Maverick's popularity domestically is keeping it around in the worldwide top five, a 16.7% drop in week 10 for a $22.2 million total worldwide. Looking at the 2022 domestic box office chart, uh, just one adjustment, Top Gun Maverick and Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness remain numbers one and two. Jurassic World Dominion has just now edged out the Batman by about $200,000 to become the number three movie of the year. The Batman drops down to number four. Minions, The Rise of Gru remains number five, followed by Thor, Love and Thunder at six. Sonic the Hedgehog 2 at number seven. Uncharted at number eight. Elvis at number nine and Lightyear at number 10. 
There was no change in the box office market share for this past weekend because we didn't really have any big box office movers and shakers. We have about a $4.7 billion box office total uh, for the year thus far. The split remains the same. Universal still leading for 2022 with a 25% market share. Paramount at 23%. Disney Fox at 20%. Warner Brothers at 13%. Sony at 12%. And then all others, which are all of the other studios that are not the big five, with that 7 percent market share for the year so far looking at the worldwide box office for 2022 again not too many changes to this chart the top five are the same top gun maverick now has passed 1.3 billion dollars doctor strange in the multiverse of madness is at 954.8 million dollars jurassic world dominion looks like it is getting very close to crossing that 1 billion dollar mark at the very least it looks like it's going to pass doctor strange in the multiverse of madness worth noting of course jurassic world dominion did get a lucrative chinese release doctor strange in the multiverse of madness did not play in China, as well as some other markets. The Batman is at number four. Minions The Rise of Gru at number five. Thor Love and Thunder is now at $663.6 million. It's got to keep making money, believe it or not, because it's got to get right around $700,750 with that $250 million budget, the big advertising spend, etc. So it needs to keep on climbing up this chart. It did knock the battle at Lake Chungjin 2 down to number seven. And then at numbers 8, 9, and 10, the, the $400 million crew, Fantastic Beasts, The Secrets of Dumbledore, Sonic the Hedgehog 2, and Uncharted. Looking at the worldwide box office of the previous 365 days, so you take today's date, you roll the calendar back one entire year. These are the top 10 movies over that period of time. Spider-Man No Way Home remains number one with a $1.9 billion total, followed by Top Gun Maverick with $1.3 billion. Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness is at number three. Jurassic World Dominion is at number four. Last years the battle at lake chung jin is at number five no time to die the oldest movie on the chart along with the battle at lake chung jin is at number six the batman at number seven minions the rise of Gru at number eight thor love and thunder moves up one spot to number nine which knocks the battle at lake chung jin two down one spot to number 10 with a 626.5 million dollar total so nothing dropping off the chart just to change there at numbers nine and ten before we jump ahead, I'd like to thank another sponsor for today's show, Athletic Greens, the makers of AG1. I started taking it because I'm still trying to support better gut health and an overall better me. So what is AG1? Well, with one delicious scoop, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source, superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day right. Taking AG1 is super simple. I can either put a scoop right into a cup of water or mix it into a shake for breakfast. Either way, it's a quick and tasty way for me to start the day off right and to make sure I'm supporting not only my gut health, but my immune system, my recovery and focus, and so much more. Athletic Greens also cares about the planet. They are a climate neutral certified company. And for every purchase, Athletic Greens donates to organizations helping to get nutritious food to kids in need, including No Kid Hungry right here in the United States. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. And to make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase of AG1. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com Dan. Again, that's athleticgreens.com Dan to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. And I'd like to thank Athletic Greens for sponsoring today's show. 
Before we look at what people are watching through various streaming services, I always like to take a look at a weekend in box office history, and we're going back to the exact same date range, July 29th through the 31st of the year 1994. So this was weekend 30 of the box office year in 1994, and the last weekend in July saw the release of Jim Carrey's The Mask. Jim Carrey's box office performance in 1994, one of the most impressive for any actor in a single year. He exploded that year. Ace Ventura, Dumb and Dumber, The Mask, one hit after the other. $23.1 million at the box office, enough to top Forrest Gump in its fourth week. It had a 17% drop with an $18.2 million total. True Lies was also playing in the marketplace that week in its third week with a 33.6% drop and a $13.7 million total. The Client in its second week was there at number four with $12.5 million. And then The Lion King in its seventh week at 29% with a $9.9 million total. I mean, look at those movies that were in the top five back in 1994. You you really couldn't go wrong, uh, especially at that time, in that moment uh, in 1994. Man, James Cameron, it's, it's weird to think True Lies came out in 1994. James Cameron has made two movies since then. That's crazy. Let's look now at what people are watching through the various different methods of streaming movies, and we will start with the iTunes charts. What are people buying through the iTunes store? Jurassic World Dominion remains number one, available for purchase and also premium video on demand. Everything Everywhere All at Once is at number two, Uncharted at number three, The Black Phone at number four, The Bad Guys at number five, Downton Abbey A New Era, now available for purchase and rental, is good enough to come back to the chart at number six. The Northman is at number seven. The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent at number eight. Paradise Highway, starring Morgan Freeman and Frank Grillo, a direct-to-streaming title, is at number nine, available for purchase and rental. And then Fantastic Beasts, The Secrets of Dumbledore, heads back to the chart at number 10, available for purchase and rental. Let's see what people are watching on Netflix. This is for last week, so the week of July 18th through the 24th. The Gray Man from the Russo Brothers already has a sequel announced uh, with Ryan Gosling. Who knows what's going on with Chris Evans? Are we going to get a spinoff? There's really no way of telling it debuted in its first few days with 88.5 million hours watched worldwide that's good enough for a pfv of 41.2 that means that 41.2 million netflix users could potentially have finished viewing that movie that's what pfv stands for the cb is continuing to perform well 34.1 million hours watched for a pfv of 17.2 persuasion comes in at number three the fourth season of virgin river with over 100 million hours watched in its initial opening weekend uh, for consumption with a PFV of 12. Resident Evil Season 1 stays at number 5 with a PFV of 10.3. Daughter of the Wolf and Clean, two non-original Netflix movies, are at number 6 and 7. Too Old for Fairy Tales, the Netflix original movie, is at number 8 with a PFV of 6.1, followed by Stranger Things 4, still on the top 10, with 74.9 million hours watched and a PFV of 5.8. And then Sing 2, which has been exceedingly popular on Netflix, with 10. 1.1 million hours watched and a PFV of 5.6. When we look at the most watched Netflix programs for 2022 so far, again, no big changes. We have one addition to the list. We see, though, that Stranger Things Seasons 4 now has an overall PFV of 125.4. It is slowly creeping up on the Atom Project, and if a Netflix series as long as Stranger Things 4 can overtake uh, the Atom Project as far as PFV, it has long since overtaken it as far as raw 
hours watched. That's going to be quite an achievement. Hustles at number three. Bridgerton season two is at number four. The Tender Swindlers at number five. Senior year at number six. The Man from Toronto is at number seven. Ozark season four is at number eight. The Sea Beast, like I said, performing well. It enters the chart at number nine with a PFE of 68.6. That drops 365 days this day down to number 10. And the Netflix original series Inventing Anna drops out of the top 10 altogether after a long run on the chart. Let's look now at what people are watching in the reported Nielsen ratings. Now, these are not perfect ratings. They don't include every streaming service. They reportedly are also through traditional viewing so that there's some devices that they can't track, which means these aren't the complete streaming numbers, and they're delayed by about a month. But it's the best we can do right now to kind of get a holistic look at how certain programs are performing across all of the different streaming services. So this is for the week of June 27th through July 3rd. Uh, for reference, this would have been the weekend that the second volume of Stranger Things season four would have hit. But let's look first at the top streaming movies. Seeing two on Netflix, I mentioned it's very popular. The most watched streaming movie reported through Nielsen that weekend with 20.9 million hours watched in the US alone. The Man from Toronto at number two. Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness only spending one week at the top of the Nielsen streaming charts. It drops to number three in its second week with 10.3 million hours watched. The Mist on Netflix at number four. Encanto remaining strong. It, it dropped a little bit last week due to strong competition. It's back in the top five with 4.2 million hours watched on Disney+. Plus. Hustle's at number six. Love and Gelato is at number seven. Backtrace and Wildcard are two new entries on the list at numbers eight and nine. And then Turning Red, which rotated off the list last week, comes back onto the list this week with a little less competition and 2.5 million hours watched. And then, as I mentioned, these were the 10 most watched streaming shows uh, for the same time period. So the week of June 27th through July 3rd. New episodes of Stranger Things pushed the show to 98.5 million hours watched. Again, this is in the U.S. alone at number one. The Umbrella Academy is at number two with 36.9 million hours watched. Followed by Amazon's The Terminal List charting pretty high at 18.4 million hours watched. The Boys, which has just been a meme factory this season, 15.8 million hours watched. NCIS on Netflix at number five, followed by Coco Melon on Netflix at number six. The Kids still watching that Coco Melon, 10.9 million hours worth. Grey's Anatomy on Netflix at number seven. Legacies on Netflix at number eight. The Unexplained on Netflix at number nine. And Supernatural on Netflix at number 10. You really do see, I mean, Netflix has focused so much in their original programming, but looking at this chart, you see the strength of their library programming programming as well. And that wraps it up for charts this week. It's actually a pretty busy week, not so much theatrically. There's a few selections, but also on streaming. In theaters, we have Bullet Train, as I mentioned, which is my last remaining pick for the top 10 movies of the summer. We also have Easter Sunday, which is coming out in wide release this weekend. A big, buzzy A24 movie that seems to be all they've done in the last few months, Bodies, 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 hits limited release this weekend. Uh, I don't know exactly how limited it's going to be. I don't think it's going to be a tiny release and I think it hits full wide release next weekend uh, so it's likely that you may find it playing near you uh, but it does hit theaters this weekend I will be taking a trip to see that on Wednesday so I will likely have my review up for it on Thursday maybe Friday but it's a movie that I'm very much looking forward to seeing and then a lot of options on streaming one of my favorite titles of the year 
Warrior called They Slash Them, starring Kevin Bacon, will be out on Peacock uh, this weekend. Rise of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, a new Ninja Turtles film animated from Netflix, hits the streaming service this weekend. And then on Hulu, the latest entry in the Predator series called Prey hits this weekend. The review embargo for that movie drops tomorrow morning, so look for my review of Prey uh, tomorrow morning when that embargo drops. I have a lot of thoughts that I'm anxious to share about it. That does it for today's show. Thank you to Athletic Greens. Thank you to Skillshare. And of course, my partners at Carbon Health for supporting me and the show. And thank you for watching it. I've got a lot of stuff here on the channel. My Picard Season 2 review finally came out last week. I launched a new series uh, yesterday uh, called a Fact Check, where I fact check different urban legends and myths, etc. that are going on around your favorite movies and TV shows. So you can check that video out. And if you have something you want me to fact check, Put a comment underneath that video or send me a tweet with the hashtag fact check because I had a lot of fun doing that video and it's something that you'll probably see a lot more of here on the channel. So a lot of stuff that I've already put out, a lot of stuff coming up this week as far as review goes. I'm also going to try to do a, a bullet train review. So bodies, 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 bullet train, pray. Even though the summer theatrical market may be a little slow, there are still a lot of movies out there for you to watch. Thanks so much for watching this show and the channel. Until next time, stay safe. And I'll see you then. Bye. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts. Has the winter season taken a toll on your tile, upholstery, carpet? Call Cyclone Cleaners, 570-726-6200. For all your carpet, upholstery, and ceramic tile cleaning needs, it's Cyclone Cleaners, also offering odor treatment and soil and stain guard. Choose the only cleaning company that supplies the water to clean your home and disposes of it when they are finished. Call Cyclone Cleaners to schedule your cleaning today, 570-726-6200.